This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee's Summit. Hey, Jason. Big news. Yes. Big news. What's up? The big man, Santa himself, is coming to town and coming to Budget Blinds. Santa! Santa! He's coming to Budget Blinds December 14th from 6 to 8. Here's your chance to come hear Santa read some of his favorite Christmas stories, and you can also help out Lee Summit Social Services. Oh, well, that is, I think, kind of sneaky, the point, right? Uh, we're gonna, you can get some pictures. You can hang out with Santa. You can tell Santa what you, the very good boy or girl, needs for Christmas. We're going to be filling some stockings for those of us who may not out there that may not have as much as they need for this holiday. Gift cards, gloves, scarves, even some straight-up cash money. It's always welcome. Always. And if you help us fill those stockings, you get a print of your picture right there in the store. So come on out, 6 to 8, December 14th, Budget Blinds release Summit. Always, always, our good friends, our great sponsors, and a great, great friend of the community. Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is overwhelmed with feelings of charity. It is Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lisa. It is that most wonderful time of year, Jason. In addition to being overwhelmed by feelings of charity, I think Nick's also overwhelmed by feelings of sinus pressure. So we're going to work through what we can today um, and get this I'm feeling fine. Link- <laughs> fine, I have a code in my node. Uh, <laughs> Link to Lee Summit is the source for all the news you need about this very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today is Bespoke Artisan Podcastery. There's your inside joke for the day, people. All right. Nothing but so- the best. Literally, like, literally three people on this planet will get that joke, and that'll be it. And that was enough for us. Um, all right, so we got stuff going on, but not all the things are going to be covered on today's show. No. We're going to cover some other stuff. Here. First, I want to remind people, check out our new addition to Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. Every Monday morning, a quick two to five minutes, all of the headlines and events you'll need for the coming week, we throw right at you. It is amazing, and it was only two minutes long. And honestly, that's about as long as I can listen to Nick. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with, argue with that one. Hey, special event coming up December 20th at Bridge Space, you know, where we broadcast from, the Bridge Space Studios. Bridge Space in downtown Lee Summit. It's called Get Jazzed. It's the Lee Summit Jazz Orchestra, a benefit concert for Prodeo, Casa, and Lee Summit Social Services. So you want to get yourself some tickets to that. You want to go. You want to listen to some cool, not like cool jazz, but cool jazz. And uh, raise a little money for some of these great uh, great programs that operate in our city and our area. And the cool thing. So this week. The cool thing, go ahead. The cool thing about this jazz orchestra, Jason, is it's about 20 or so Lee Summit School District music teachers have all gotten together to form this group. That's pretty cool as a whole. I wonder if like their students should all come and like criticize their playing and say, well, that was good, but you could do better. And, and really, you know, try to give them the constructive growing criticism that those teachers need. You should start that social media push right now. I, yeah, I'll put that out on your Facebook page. <laughs> so visit. Remember, if you want to participate, it's Nick at linkedinlisummit.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Visit the BridgeSpace website, bridgespace.us, for more information. There we go. All right. So... 
there are a couple things that are going on. Well, by the time you hear this, they will have already gone on at council, but our publication schedule is such that when we, when we shifted, well, when council shifted to the Tuesday and we made the decision to kind of not be the news preview service for the city council every time, there were going to be times like this when stuff was coming up on council that we'd really like to talk about, but we can't talk about it like before we publish, but we don't want to wait a whole week. So, Nick, what are we going to do? We'll be back on Friday of this week. There are a couple of issues that we wanted to make sure we we kind of digested, and and I think they're they're important conversations for the community to be having. They're 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 popular conversations right now, or at least one of them is. Jason, there is a a presentation happening right now as we speak. The conceptual development incentive plan for a a redevelopment of the historic United Methodist Church in downtown. That's the big one. And then the other one is there's going to be a presentation uh, to start a discussion for council on the merits of adding a use tax to an upcoming ballot. And you, you might remember the discussion of a use tax was in the, the whole list of possible ways to pay for uh, compensation increases in the city for our core employees and our representative employees as we go through. So this is yet another continuation of the conversation that the council has been having since the election about compensation going forward. So it's a good thing that they're having the conversation and we want to listen to that, digest what they have to say, and then maybe give you, give you guys a little bit of a distillation as well as a preview of where it can go and where you can involve yourself in either or both of those processes to make a difference as you go forward. So Jason, what are we actually going to talk about today? We're going we're gonna to talk about poor people. Not exactly what people were thinking that we were going to have for our subject, but, but it's an important uh, topic to have. We, we, we've brought on uh, Matt Sanning, the Executive Director for Lee Summit Social Services. I feel like we've, we've, we've said the name of his outfit about seven times already in this show. So, well, it is that time of year when they are very much in our the forefront of our consciousnesses in Lee Summit, where because of the, all the things they do around the holidays and for the needy, so it, it's fair. It's fair, and you know, and while while those donations that come in during this time of year are important, and we should all do more of that kind of giving, it's really not enough. I think what we are finding, and the reason we've asked Matt to join us, is. There's more that needs to be done. There are issues that need public conversation. There are problems that need solutions. So we asked Matt to come in and kind of help us start to form what those conversations could be. And then we're going to continue that throughout this next month. Right. And Matt, I think, did it. And we'll, we'll catch this in the interview. He did a really interesting thing to start a conversation like that in the city already amongst many of him, his organization and his organization's community partners. Um, and I think it's important to highlight that that was already done, but then also continue on that, which we hope we do in this interview. And then we should be able to expand on it even further as we go through our month of December uh, to talk about all the fun stuff and the cool stuff that's going on, but really also the hard work and, and some of the challenging but important conversations and how to have those, not just whether to have them, but how to have them so that they are productive and we can make changes as we need to in the city. And here is that conversation. We're here with Matt Sanning, the executive director of Lee Summit Social Services. Matt, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? 
Good. Matt, good. I'm glad that you're back for your, I think this is your sixth trip to the Town Hall podcast. You guys keep calling me. I'm sorry. Maybe that says more about us than him. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not really six, is it? Uh, no, I think it's three, actually. But it's just three? Uh-huh. It, this is number three. Yes. This is number three. Sorry. So this may be, if anybody is feeling competitive, I think Matt's in the lead. Matt is in the lead, and uh, and we can have the Saturday Night Live-esque five club, and Matt will probably be the first entrant into it. So I just want my ring. Really well. My acknowledgement would be Your great. acknowledgement yes. ring? Okay, we'll get you a medal. I love it. And a little tattoo. <laughs> Thank you. The podcast. So, All right, so we wanted to talk a little bit. You did a thing that we think is really cool recently. You put together a forum of, I, I will call them community partners, to talk about uh, issues that are important to you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that, why you did that, and then what it was and who was there. Well, so our agency has been collecting data. That's one thing that we do really well is we try to understand our community, and, and, and a lot of the ways that we do that is by collecting metrics. And one of the things that we've found over the last few years is that we've seen an increase in, in homeless in Lee Summit. And so the homeless um, have uh, certainly different needs than a lot of the low-income families, uh, but but some very similar needs. With this rise and this increase and then the national and local um, uh, uh, press uh, of this particular subject, we decided that we want to be proactive about our stance here in Lee Summit. And so one of those, uh, the subject itself was to ensure that, that we could get everything out on the table, have a discussion with the stakeholders in Lee Summit. And that was city council, that was the mayor, that was uh, church leaders, business leaders, to say, here's the data that we've come up with, and we need to decide whether or not we're going to act on this proactively, or like every other community, we're going to be reactive in our response. That being said, we had a great turnout, and what we found was that there were a lot of questions that came out of that, and that was the biggest, uh, that was the biggest goal was to provoke those questions and to get people to ask, start asking what it takes, what it will take to, to remedy this. Now, homelessness across the nation has been such a big issue, and you can throw millions and millions of dollars at it, but in most cases, it has not remedied homelessness. And so we have an opportunity early on in this community in, in, the, in the stage of homelessness to find a solution. We have the resources to find a solution and we have the people to find a solution. And so that's what we discussed for about two hours in this open forum. And I think we're, we're on a, we, we've had a great start. What we're planning on doing from this point, now that the information is out, is we plan on informing the community of our findings. And the findings were that we one have homeless people and two we want to fix the we want to fix this situation. So Matt, let's talk about let's talk about the homeless population a little bit here in Lee Summit and and how they may differ from the stereotype um, that you see. Now I you know, now since my day job keeps me in an urban core environment, a more urban core environment, I have a lot of more interaction with homeless. And I think that what I see is more of sort of what you would call the, the textbook picture of what people think of when they think of homeless people. But here in Lee Summit, you know, we don't have the physical built infrastructure that's similar to an urban core of that kind of an urban core. So what, how do the home, homeless in Lee Summit maybe differ from the image people might have in their head? 
Um, okay, that's a great question. So the homeless in Lee Summit, uh, there is some, there are some similarities to the urban core, but part part of part of what we see in Lee Summit is that the data that's used is 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 Jackson County data or Eastern Jackson County data, which is not consistent with what Lee Summit is comprised of. Um, we have a lot of couch surfing kids. Okay, they're considered homeless. We have a lot of single parents. They're considered homeless when they don't have a set roof over their head if they're going from home to home, friend to friend. But then we also have this stereotypical um, don't have a roof over your head, living outside, uh, and, 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 and this is the lifestyle, right? And so uh, we have fewer of those. However, uh, from 2014 to 2017, we went from 69, 68 or 69 homeless individuals to well over 130, 140 almost uh, homeless individuals. So what that did is to tell us that <clears throat> Lee Summit has been a des- desirable place for the homeless to come and and live. And so the question is why? For one, well, well let's let's <clears throat> pause there and let's ask okay. that question. Why is it a desirable place for the homeless? What we have found through our interviews with these homeless individuals is is that Lee Summit is a uh, a desirable place to live because in some cases there's a desire to try to self heal off of drugs and alcohol, and Lee Summit is a uh, a place where you are less likely to have those connections if you're not from there to find the drugs and alcohol. We don't have street dealers and things like that. Uh, but the other part is Lee Summit is generally a really nice place to live. And the people are very friendly. The residents are friendly. They don't give people uh, a lot of flack for being out on the streets and they just let people be themselves. And so it's a quiet, kind place to live. The police are very good at their jobs and they leave people alone unless you're committing a crime. And so it is It is the path of least resistance in many cases. Um, there are places to live. When we talk about the geographic area of Lee Summit, there are quiet places that people can stay and not be hindered. So what are you what are you talking about there as there are places for them because you you described different types of homelessness just a few minutes ago where there are those that don't have a roof over their heads and there are those that are moving from you know friends or acquaintances place to place or even finding other resources that are in town so so what are you what are you talking about there are places for them when you are homeless and depending on what your uh what your desire is. If you desire a home, uh, you, you, you would find friends, you would find a place to stay. If you are okay staying outside, there is a lot of land area in Lee Summit where you're not going to be interfered with, where you're not going to be interrupted. And so we talk about the seven or eight or 10,000 acres that Lee Summit has that is undeveloped. That's an option. You talk about these pastures, about these, these, this land you can stay there. The lines of trees that you could stay in and, and have have that area where you are not constantly traipsed on. Where is where is that information, I guess, coming from? Because you said you did did interviews, but many, many times that information is hard to find. It's hard to find a lot of people that are willing to sit down, 
and give you that give you that debt. So how are you how are you finding that this is what's that's right? There are a number of churches. There's a number of homeowners uh, and landowners, and then also the individuals themselves have all kind of given us little bits of information over the last three or four years that have helped us create a picture, create the image of, of, of what that desire is and why uh, the Lee Summit is a, a landing place for many people. And so um, when, we, when we talk about um, what's desirable to anyone, all we can have is this 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 first person information, this first person data, and in these cases, they've said, "This is where people are staying. Go figure out why." And so, when folks walk in and say, "This is where I've been staying," or when the police call and say, "This is the area of concern," we can actually go in there and and, and talk to some folks and and find out what's going on. And in many cases. Again, it, it, it's a place where they're left alone. It's a place where they're not being um, interrupted or they're not being hassled. And it's certainly not right in downtown Lee Summit where they're going to be interacting with people constantly. And, 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 and unfortunately, there's, there's no real metrics that, that, that say this is the best place to stay if you're coming to Lee Summit as a homeless individual. But what we found is these are where the groups congregate. And this is where they've been unhindered in their lifestyle. And that's where they're able to live. And that's where they're able to reach the other resources available. So when you look at it from your perspective, you, you run a, a, a social services organization. There are, there are many others in our community like that, that that do similar things. Or the perspective from the police department, from the city. You've described the... I don't, do you say problem issue? So what what then do 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 we as the community need to do to be of service? So the first thing. So, so I guess I guess there are people there. What are issues then? What are what are problems that need solutions? Well, so the first thing is deciding whether or not homelessness is a problem, right? And whose problem it is? Is the homelessness issue a problem for the homeless individual? Or is the homeless problem an individual or uh, an issue for the community? And those are two very different issues because not every homeless individual wants to change the lifestyle that they have. Not every homeless individual wants a 5,000 square foot home. And so those are the things that we need to first ask the question of that individual and say, what is, what is your desire? What would you like to do? Is it finding a job? Is it getting just a, a little bit of money? to be able to provide basic necessities? Is it something deeper? Is it a mental health problem? Um, there's so many people that automatically say this is a mental health issue. Well, that's not always the case. There are perfectly sane people that say, I don't want a job, a mortgage, insurance, the burdens, the kids, all that stuff. And they say, I'm perfectly happy working on a couple of very basic things for basic survival. And we have to respect the fact that that's their perspective and that's what they want. So you, you would say in that particular instance that we can't, and I'm going to air quote here, help them by 
pushing them towards a housing solution and and those other the burdens that you mentioned as it, right and and it, you know we it's funny in the, in the political you know spectrum and going into you know when we go in 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 in, in when we have a an interaction with another country and we want to impose democracy we say that democracy is what we want or what they want in this case no that's not always the case this is not necessarily the best solution it's not the solution for them we have to understand what they desire what they want and then hopefully we can create uh, vehicles for them to be successful in whatever they 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 want to do now we want everyone to be productive we want people to be able to provide for themselves but it might take on a different form and that's what we need to first understand we need to seek to understand and then to be understood and and so um that's one of the biggest challenges because i've talked to so many people that automatically say this is a mental health issue and that's simply not the case there there are so many logical and rational reasons uh, that, that some people live in, live this lifestyle, but then there are a lot of people that truly have no other options. And those are the people that we're trying to reach, trying to understand, trying to help. Um, and so unfortunately there's just this big blanket this big umbrella over everyone that's homeless saying, this is your issue. We can fix this, but that's not the solution. Okay, so following on then, you, you said that there's the individual homeless um, and their problems, mm -hmm. uh, however they perceive them and, and however they get organized. But then you mentioned that it, is this a community issue that we want to deal? So what – we've talked obviously now a great, a great length about the individual. So what if Lee Summit decides that homelessness is something that they would like to um, fix, for lack of a better way to put it? What what does that look like from a community standpoint? Well, okay, so there's a number of national studies. There's a number of things that have been done nationally that some have had a great success rate, some have just not. There's a concept called housing first. Okay, housing first is we will give you a house, give you a place to live, a roof over your head, and no questions asked. You don't have to stop your lifestyle. If you are addicted to drugs or you're addicted to alcohol, you don't have to stop that. But then once you get into that house – we're going to start creating uh, rehabilitation uh, uh, steps to, to ensure that by the time you're done with our program, you're going to be sober, you're going to be happy, and you're going to be productive. That success rate, when it's poorly managed, is very low. And, and that's both East Coast and West Coast. The problem is a lot of those are ran by bigger conglomerates, bigger entities, and there's a lot of money dumped into it, and the success rate is so low that you lose that, that community support. You lose that financial support. Then there are other programs um, that are shelter-bound uh, or, or transitional living. And in all honesty, uh, I think that there needs to be a combination of everything involved in Lee Summit. If we just set up a shelter in Lee Summit, let's say a thousand units, a thousand rooms in Lee Summit, we would have that full tomorrow. And that's because people would leave Kansas City, the people would leave Independence, people would leave Raytown to come live in the shelter in Lee Summit because Lee Summit is a kind area to live. I can't believe anyone would ever leave Raytown to come to Lee Summit. That's <laughs> right. stunning to me. But, but go ahead. But, but, yeah. but I mean, are, 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 the, are the numbers that high? Because I think when you say a thousand... 
you're going to get a reaction from people in this community listening and hearing that. You're right. And so for our community, 150, 100 would be appropriate. But it doesn't matter how big you make it in Lee Summit because you will have people desiring to live here and people coming here. And so you'll fill those rooms up in a heartbeat. So is that the solution? No, it's not. Not not by a long shot. Because if you do not have the mental health uh, component, if you do not have the other components, the, the, the uh, you know, organizations like Hillcrest Transitional Housing do amazing things. I love Hillcrest Transitional Housing. They are absolutely probably um, the most successful and efficient um, organization with regards to transitional housing, not just in Lee Summit, but as far as any of my research has taken me, their 90-day program is by far the best of anyone. That being said, if you could implement a Hillcrest transitional housing on a scale of hundreds, you could transition these folks and you could change the lives of so many. The problem is when you increase their burden you dilute their quality and so that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge right there so going to your question you will have a desire for anyone who is homeless to live in Lee Summit assuming they have the basic resources met the reason why we don't have a big homeless veteran population is because we do not have uh, the um, VA the VA thank you you don't have a VA here, and so you don't have free medical care for these veterans. <clears throat> they deserve that care, but they also stay close to the place that provides that care. We don't have those resources. And so what you find are people that are not necessarily veterans, people that are on their own, and, and, but there are still so many that are at different centers in, in Kansas City and in Independence and Raytown that will move to Lee Summit if there's something more attractive. And so the homeless shelter in itself is not the way to go. We as a community need to come together and we need to say, we're going to put a comprehensive solution in place. And what that looks like, that's what we're developing right now. That's what we're working on. And we have a lot of great partners doing that. But it's not going to be a simple process. It's not going to be a one, two, or three-step process. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. If you don't have a, a, a real solution, the great thing is we have a, a number of case studies that show why this didn't work. The East Coast and the West Coast are great examples of how it didn't work. I love the fact that they're trying, but it has not produced a real formula. Are we a trendsetter? Are we, are we able to fix this problem? I don't know. But what I know is that people in this community have asked us to help solve an issue and we have to first understand the issue and then work towards solutions. Okay, so you, you, you had this forum and you brought these people together and you did it, um, I think, specifically shunning uh, sort of media. People like us. Media attention, <laughs> um, for which we are probably, uh, ev- will be bitter forever, um, <laughs> to be honest. And But you, you, you did that without the, public, the publicity and what have you, and, and I, I suppose there are reasons for that. But um, what, did, what did you come out of it with? What are some areas or thoughts that, that, that came from that conversation? So the first thing was that a number of the individuals at the city said, we need to first understand which resources are available to us, right? So the police department said, um, we need to know 
how many different entities are available for, for us to make a call and for us to say, these are the homeless individuals in need and these are their needs, whether that be Rediscover, Lee Summit Social Services, Hillcrest, whatever that might so be. So this is when they respond to a call? Yes. And it was funny because the Parks and Rec, uh, Joe Snook, I l- absolutely um, – think the world of joe he said when i have a problem i call the police department he goes i would love to know that i have a manual or some guidance that when i see something that's not as pressing that i would be able to call that entity okay whether that be least on social services he said i need some information to say what resources are out there when we have someone walk into our door inherently we just know where to send people because we are the source for those in need. Well, if you, somebody walked up to you guys and said, hey, we need help, you might be scrambling and you might... No, no, no. Honestly, we would just call you mad. Yeah, you <laughs> would call... Right. I mean, and so you would make one phone call and say, he's got everything fixed. Well, they want more and they want to see a, a not a flow chart, but a, a chart of, of, of resources. And so... Well, well let's, let's, let's talk about that then. I guess... I, I guess what type of resources are we saying we have and or we need more of? Okay. So the biggest hot topic right now is affordable housing. That is that is just a big hot button issue. Excuse me. You just excuse me while I get my soapbox out. You're right. And so, so <laughs> I mean you're thanks a lot. Now Jason's gonna talk for six hours. So give me give me thirty seconds to tell you how I feel about affordable housing and why that becomes such a big topic in our industry. Affordable housing is important. The question of affordable housing or what is affordable is a moving target. Okay. And so what I don't do well is work in a subjective, uh, a subjective area. Okay. So when someone says I need affordable housing, affordable housing for someone who makes $1 a year is different than affordable housing for somebody that works, uh, makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so I have to look at it like these individuals need a roof over their head. Okay. Affordable housing is not the answer for everybody. Okay, and so it is not necessarily our hot button issue. There is housing is a big issue, okay, and availability of housing. But when you're making zero dollars, when you make nothing, when you have nothing at all, affordable housing means very little. Not only that, as a 30 year resident in this community, I think there are a number of affordable housing options, but I think there are some really bad homeowners and slumlords and people that are taking advantage of those in need. That frankly pisses me off because we do not, we cannot improve our community if we're not helping our fellow residents, if we're not helping our neighbors. And so affordable housing is something that's going to be beat to death over the next couple of years in this community. You can get every $900 apartment you want. Every seven. Now, I, I think there's really no problem, housing problem that cannot be solved with the addition of more $1,100 one-bedroom apartments. <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> yeah, you're right. But but that's the thing. You can add as many as you want, but you're still going to have people that can only afford 850 or people that can afford 800 or people that can only afford 400 And so we're going to go round and round and round on this. It's not ever going to change um, because no community that's had this discussion has actually fixed it. Not one. And so... When we look at 
uh, the, the, the clientele that we have and the, the need that we have, we have so many steps that need to be taken to improve on this. Now, at some point, affordable housing is going to be a relevant topic for us. But there's so many other things before that that need to be addressed first. So what conversations are, are those? Is it, is it mental health? Is it financial well-being? Is it, you know, what, what conversations do we need to have then as a community before we start digging into Jason's favorite topic, which is affordable housing? So the first thing is we need to triage. Okay, we need to interview everybody that says they're not getting a fair shake or everybody that has a need to understand what it is they're seeking. Is this where I get to bring forth my arguments with my homeowners association or? Um, absolutely. And not, I, and I, not. I, okay. Okay. I like that answer, but I think what, I, what I'm asking is for the rest of us in this community, what conversations do we need to have to not only accept that, I guess, come to the same conclusion you have that there is a problem and then to talk about either creating or building up resources for this part of the community. If we need to do if we need to have conversations before we get to affordable housing, what are those conversations that we need to have? The conversation that we need to have is whether or not we're willing to make a change. If we're willing to uh, the the important thing is to first decide whether or not we're going to be part of the change or if we're going to be part of the status quo. Okay. And so the triage portion of that is understanding what the needs are, and then it's acting on those needs. And so if we have a majority, even if it's a small majority that say, we simply want to have an opportunity to work, then we need to find employers that are willing to take a chance on those individuals that are willing to work, but may not have a home address. Okay, and so for that portion, that subset, we need to say, hey, they're willing to work. We need to get them a job. Where is that job? We don't know. We need to create strategic partnerships with those individuals, and then we need to understand what those folks lack. In so many cases, we've been working our tails off to find identification, to get a state ID for an individual. That's not always the easiest thing. Our agency has to pay for state IDs because those individuals do not have them. And so when we're calling Florida because a resident previously lived there that has found their way to Lee Summit that has their birth certificate in Texas, I will tell you, that's a challenging subject. That's, that, is, that is a terrible, terrible thing to have to navigate when you don't have the resources or the know-how to deal with them. We're very good at dealing with bureaucracy. And so we can make those phone calls and we can help people navigate that. Can an individual who, who, who has been shorted on so many different areas make that phone call and not piss somebody off? No, not so much. And that's what we're running into more and more. It's simply the ability to deal with the government in some way, shape, or form and get a state ID or find out why the state ID is not available. You get a state ID, then you have something for your W-2s. You have something for your W-2s, you can earn a living. You can earn a living, then you can start building towards the future. 
you have to understand what these folks need first. We can't put them all under one umbrella and say they just don't want to work or they don't have the resources or they're all in need. We have to understand each individual need and then act upon that. So what I call the community to do is to be there, to be a resource, to say, this is what I can offer, use it or not, and then act on it. If the churches say, I can put 20 people up in our church, in our gym, then so be it. On a really cold day, like today, like last week, I would have loved to see 20 people in a church gymnasium sleeping for the night so that I know that they're not dead that next morning because of, 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 because of the weather. I had a buddy call me. I haven't spoken to him in over a year, graduated high school with him. He called me and he said, Matt, I have a guy in my car. He was covered in snow. I put him in my car to warm him up. Where do I take him? And I said, there's nowhere to take him. Not in Lee Summit. You can drive them down to the shelter in Kansas City. Assuming they're taking single males, they don't do that. They simply do not do that in this kind of weather when it's so busy. So that guy was going to stay in the snow. What, what he did not ask was, did the guy want to go to a shelter? He just assumed he did. Well, that's, that's the first issue, right? You have to ask him what he wants. That's no place for me. That's not a place I'd want to live. It's not saying that that's not where he wants to go. And so those are the things we need to first understand, and then we can act on it. And it sounds cruel. It sounds heartless. It, it sounds silly. But really, you need to understand their desires first, and then you can move forward. So I, I, I kind of you, – you've talked around this a couple of different times once when you were, you were discussing – sort of the success of Hillcrest, but the difficulty scaling. And then your, your conversations about we need to figure out what each of these individual uh, people or group families need to provide. So what it, what it sounds like in a certain way is that we need to pour more, we need to have more capacity to be, to deal with people on an individual level than we currently do. Right. We need to be, well, what we need to do is we need to shift our, our, our strategy. We need to take that individual case management and make it a priority. At the agency, at least some of social services, we do that with the capacity that we have. And we've done a pretty good job of it. And, you know, I'm not here to, to ask for money. I'm not here to say. Oh, that's not, not yet. true. Not yet. No, I'll get there. <laughs> but, but you know what? I'm not here to say that, that we have all the solutions. But what I'm here to say is that we are changing. We are going to change the way that we triage homeless clients. We are going to change our line of questioning. It used to be when they walked in, when we identified them as uh, homeless, just like every other agency in eastern Jackson County, we just hand them a bag of food and say, have a nice day, because that's all we can really do. And we say, do you want a place to stay overnight? And they say, no, we just let them go. That's the wrong way to approach things, because we're not actually solving anything. If they don't want a place to stay overnight, that's fine. We just have to understand that. And then we use that data we use that information and we say why is it that this is the way that they want to live why they choose to go about it this way and then we start formulating a solution and we have as an agency 
our agency and as agencies in general across the country, we have made the mistake of just assuming that everybody wants more than what they have. That's what capitalists do. That's what it's all about. We work really hard. We want bigger things. Got to keep up with the Joneses. That is not necessarily the way everybody thinks. And we need to change that perspective at our agency and in agencies in general that provide those types of services. Well, let's circle back to 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 the recent kind of conversation and forum that you had. What is the next step for that group? What comes out of that conversation and what, what do you think this group will then be doing? So we had a great sample size with this group, and we got some great feedback. And so the next steps are going to be developing a, for lack of a better term, a task force. And that task force is going to tackle all sorts of issues, from mental health to affordable housing um, to uh, the triage in agencies like ours. We're going to combine the resources that all of our agencies have that are willing to participate and find out what it is that these individuals need in order to truly make progress as a homeless individual. Is the goal to have some kind of of a a playbook so that if Joe Snook at the Parks Department gets a call and says there are people in, in living in the park, and Joe obviously needs to do something there so that he has a manual, a playbook that can say, okay, I went and met with him. Here's what I can call, who I can call. Mm. Is that is that what you're talking about, building? Yes, at the very basic level. I want Joe to know that as soon as he makes that phone call, that that individual that he calls about is going to be given all the options, every single uh, opportunity to to reach whatever whatever it is that they set out to do. So if there's somebody sleeping in the park, I want somebody to have that first interaction and then that second interaction to be, all right, let's talk about things, let's figure out what's going on, and then have a playbook, a process for every step up until the point that we decide we've met the needs of that individual and we actually have a solution for each one. Because right now, when somebody calls and says, I've got someone warming up in my car, where do I take them? We don't have an answer. If the, if the shelters are full, we don't have an answer. I want someone to know that when they come to our community, a community of care, a community that actually appreciates humanity, that they're going to get the best care available. And we can do that because our community gives us the opportunity to give that treatment, to give that opportunity. Um, I'm very fortunate. It's a nonprofit world. It's tough to raise funds. But the one thing I get to do every single day is I get to help people. It would be ridiculous if I just sat at my desk and said, eh, this is what we do. No, we need to evolve. We need to evolve. We need to continue to make changes to help people. You cannot just sit on the things that you did 20 or 30 years ago and assume that that is the solution for today. We've seen how many things have changed over the last 30 years, and we have not, as a society, changed enough to make a real impact in people's lives. Those are the things that we hope to change with this process, with this awareness. We are going to boldly 
ask for community partners to step up to give us something they've never given us before. That's not going to be money. Okay, that's not our priority. I mean, it's a priority. <laughs> it is a priority, but it's, you know what? Your time, your talent, your treasure, those things all add up to what it is that we need to make an, make a change in this community. We are not going to turn in to the next Eastern Jackson County community that just accepts the fact that we have five, six, seven hundred people that are homeless living in our community. We will not accept that. The city has said we will not accept that. We have taken a big step proactively to say that we are going to make this change. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the generosity of the community and give you a chance to sort of uh, talk a little bit about the good stuff that you guys are doing at social services. The holidays are always a really busy time for you guys. So what's going on at uh, LSSS? It, this is a fun subject. I enjoy talking about this. Um, this is the, the the most wonderful time of the year, uh, not only for us, but for a lot of the families. Uh, Don't start singing, Nick. <laughs> I, I was really about to. I wanted to hear it. I wanted to hear it. See, Jason, there are fans. There are fans. I didn't say a fan. I, Honestly, at this point, I believe there are fan, and he is in the room with us yeah. at the moment. <laughs> you said fan. I was going to say heckler. but well, I, we'll take either. That's Jason. Yeah. All attention is good attention. <laughs> um, no, we have, we have 900 kids enrolled in our holiday program, our Christmas program. And the cool thing about it is, the, we line the tables with gifts, gifts that were that were generated um, by businesses, uh, real estate agencies, you know, uh, local supermarkets, and uh, they put up a, what they call an angel tree. And the angel tree has uh, these paper stars on them, these ornament-looking things, and they say "12-year-old boy um, Lego set." And so the individual will grab that ornament. And they'll take it down the toy aisle. They'll grab what they think is is equal to that, and they will purchase it and stick it under that tree. It is a beautiful thing. We try to get every kid two to three gifts. The parents come in and they select those gifts based on what they know their children would like. The kid in October that says he likes Teletubbies, may change that interest into something else by December, which is why we have a variety of gifts. But the coolest thing is the parents get to shop. Shop. It is totally free to the parents, to the to the clients. And then they wrap those gifts, and then that gift is from mom or dad on Christmas Day. There is nothing better for us. There's uh, a lot of donors that support this program exclusively knowing that this is how the program is ran. They respect it. We used to run a, 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 a Secret Santa program. That's not done anymore because there were some groups, there was a lot of inequity there. There were a lot of groups that, that would spoil, they would give like 40 stuffed animals to one child. And in the next apartment over, this child, the other child would get a bag of used clothes. And so that's why we don't do uh, the Secret Santa. We allow the parents to come in, do the shopping. It is by far the coolest thing uh, that Lee Summit has going, in my opinion. I may be biased a little bit. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. But I got to tell you, it is an amazing experience for both donors, volunteers, and the clients. And I absolutely love, 
love this time of year for that reason. So is there still time to help on that? There's absolutely time to help because the the thing is, this program runs through the 15th or 17th of this month. But in all honesty, people miss appointments. We're going to be giving gifts out until Christmas Eve. You know, unlike a lot of agencies, we we kind of work through the holidays. Um, we don't have the luxury of thinking that someone's not hungry or in need um, on a day that we would normally take off or when the schools are out. So we work we work our butts off until until we have to enjoy Christmas Day with our family, and we do take that off. We took Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day off too, but uh, um, we do our best to meet the needs of those families, and we will do it all the way up until Christmas. The other thing is, after Christmas, which is when we get a big chunk of gifts, we have to start for next year. And so we have to know that we have a baseline to start the next Christmas program. And that has been a, a, a big essential piece of what we do for that following year. It's knowing that we have 300 gifts that we can start with. And then we find out that we can we can add 100 kids to the roster and then move on and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we'll take gifts all year long. And if they want to bring you gifts, how do they reach you? Oh, well, they can look at our website. They can email me, matt at ellasocialservices.com, or they can call us at 525-HELP, 525-4357, um, or they can just come on in. I want everybody to come in and tour our agency. Where Where is Lisa Social Services located? We're at 108 Southeast 4th Street. In, in Lisa. beautiful downtown Lisa. Actually, it's Strutherland now. No, it's downtown Lisa, and we will not have this fight on this podcast. <laughs> All right, so... Um, well, awesome. Matt, thank you for taking time to bring, I think, a lot of information and, and really give us a view of the breadth of the, the problem that you're trying to tackle in this very broad way. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Jason, you and I are what I would describe as roundish. I think I would like to think of myself as well-rounded, but I might be in certain ways a little overly well-rounded. We are not the uh, beacons of health and lean bodies that we were in our youth. That is very generous of you to ever accuse me of having a lean body. <laughs> but here's the deal. Our buddies at Shred KC have the perfect way for people like us to jumpstart their fitness efforts for the next year. It's a six week challenge. That's a lot of weeks, man. It is. There's a there's a money grand prize, $3,000, unlimited group classes, a weekly meal plan that comes with grocery list, recipe book. Here's the cool thing. You get a 3D body scan, one before and one after the challenge. It's gonna show you everything about your body. I'm not sure I want to see it, but I need to see it. I am seriously, that that sounds, I, mean, I understand that's a really cool piece of technology and a really very cool way to sort of objectively look at your progress. But man, the last thing I want to see is like a brutal 3D scan of my old butt. <laughs> so. And here's how you find out more. Go visit our friends at their website. It's shredaf, the number six, week.com. <laughs>